Today I'm going to talk to you. Uh, I was praying and I was before the Lord as I, as I often am. Uh, if you have a relationship with him and you're in love with him, uh, you'll, you'll find that you don't ever study to get a word. You just, the Lord breathes words into you because he's your friend and you're his friend. And if you're, in, if you're in love with somebody, you don't talk to them just when you want to get something and you're going to find they ain't going to give it to you. And I'll let you figure out whatever that might or might not mean. If you're always only talking to your spouse when you want something from them before long, they're not going to talk to you at all because there are ulterior motives in that. When you go into the ministry, you cannot have the ulterior motive, I'm going to study to have something to preach. You study to learn. And then from what you learn and what God reveals to you, then you share. And this week, the theme has been in my life, in fact, for several weeks. Um, it, years ago, it was actually, I had uh, even passwords set up to uh, that reference this scripture. So I'm going to talk to you today from the... And I'm not going to hurry, so if you're in a hurry, you have to leave, I understand, but I'm not going to hurry, not today. Um, this, is the, this is the title I want to preach about, All Things New. Somebody say, All Things New. And the subtitle is, Our Full Inheritance. All Things New, Our Full Inheritance. The King James Version says it this way, The Fullness of Our Inheritance. The Bible says that we are heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Ephesians, I believe it's chapter 1, we'll reference it in just a few minutes, that uh, the Holy Spirit came and that the Holy Spirit was not, the, the, the Holy, us receiving the Holy Spirit was not the total of our inheritance. In fact, the Bible calls receiving the Holy Spirit the down payment of your inheritance. Now, I don't know about you, but if my father had been a wealthy man in the natural, and he was not, he was wealthy in spiritual things, and that's why we're here before you today, but he was not natural and wealthy things. But if he had been wealthy or, or wealthy in natural things, when he passed away and someone offered me 10% of what he left me, I'm going to tell somebody I want the other 92. You might give me 10% up front, but I'm looking for the other 90. Is there anybody in here that's looking for more than just the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Because there is more. You know, a lot of us emphasize, and in fact, I was talking to um, a, a preacher that's invited me to come preach at the, in, the, in the Philippines this coming year. And I said, he, he's been asking me to come, which they often are from, across, from, from different nations. And I said, look, uh, but he'd been following us on Facebook for a while and, and had, had listened to our podcast on the website. I really feel like the Lord wants you to come. I said, I'll come on one condition. And he said, what's that? I'll do your mass crusades, but you're going to have to do some uh, pastoral conferences. And he said, what is the purpose behind that? I said, because I'm going to teach your pastors how to go out in the bush and teach their people. Because what's happened for generations, and it's a wonderful thing, is, is people have been sent overseas and all this money has been spent into evangelism. And you get over there and you get on a stage in front of 10 or 20 or 30, as I've done, 1,000 people, and you preach new birth. And thank God somebody is going preaching new birth. But if you birth a baby at Iredale Memorial and you have that baby and mom and daddy get up and leave and leave that baby to fend for itself, you're not a good parent. And so you, it's no longer okay, and I told, the, I told him, I said, it's no longer okay to birth kids in the kingdom. I want to train your pastors so they got somebody to disciple children so they can grow up and this country can be saved by its own indigenous people. So the fullness of our inheritance wasn't new birth, although that's wonderful. And the fullness of your inheritance was not receiving the Holy Spirit, although that's wonderful. What is the fullness of the inheritance? I'm going to tell you. It's simply Jesus says it in the Lord's Prayer. The actual, actually, the pattern prayer when he said, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Let's read from Acts chapter 2. Today I'm going to read from the Message Bible. Acts chapter 2. It's the same scripture, or at least along the same context of scripture that I read last week. To set context for those that were not here last week, this is 50 days 
after Jesus has risen from the dead. He stayed on the earth for 40 days. In fact, he's not the only one that got up from the dead. The Bible says that many of the prophets and saints of old also got up with him and were seen by many in Jerusalem for many days. Did you know that? Apparently you did not because three people said, hmm. And I said, when Jesus rose from the dead, there were many, read your Bible, there were many of the old prophets and, 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 and uh, righteous men that rose up from the dead with him, and their bodies were seen in Jerusalem for 40 days. After 40 days, Jesus met with his boys and said, look, boys, I got to go somewhere. And they said, where are you going? He said, you can't come with me now, but you know the way. How could we know the way? And Jesus said, I'm the way. He said, but what I want you to do is stay here in Jerusalem. Stay here and wait for the promise of the Father. And they said, what's it look like? And he said, you'll know when he comes. What's it going to sound like? He said, I'm glad you asked me because there's definitely a sound that precedes the coming of the Spirit. There's always a sound. Why do you think we spend so much time in worship? Because a good sound, a heavenly sound will always precede a heavenly manifestation. Just let me get to where I want to go. He said, you're going to stay here. So for 10 days, 500 people gathered up in a church probably this size in an upper room and waited for the promise of the Father. They didn't know when he was coming or how he was coming. They had no method, and they didn't know the methods to his madness. They just knew that there was a promise, and we're going to stay here until the promise comes. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you knew God gave you a promise, you didn't know how it was going to come, and you didn't know when it was going to come, but you knew as surely as Jesus Christ himself said it, it's going to come. So I refuse to give up on the promise. And yet, out of the 500 that waited in the upper room, 380 left. Not having received the promise. Why? I would speculate, and it's, it, it's only conjecture because there's no way for us to fully know. The Bible doesn't say, but probably on day one, there were several that said, man, I've been here for 24 hours, and it didn't work. I'm out of here. And probably on day two, there were five or 10 or 15 more that said, it didn't happen today. We waited on some promise. Now Jesus is gone. They're coming after us. There's unruly people in the streets. The Romans are going to kill us. I'm out of here. And probably on day seven, there were more that said, man, what in the world? We've waited and we've fasted and prayed and we've been eating and then not eating and, then, and nothing has happened. I'm out of here. But thank God some people decided I'm going to wait until the fullness of the promise comes because Jesus said it's coming. And on day 10, exactly 50 days think about 50 49 is seven sevens seven speaks of perfection or completion 40 there were seven sevens seven weeks that had passed and on the next day the new week the day of jubilee here was, here's what happens acts chapter 2 when the feast of pentecost came the king james says and when the day of pentecost was fully come they were all together in one place and without warning, I'm going, to ask you to pre I'm going to ask you to help me this morning. I don't always ask you to repeat, and I don't always ask you to turn to your neighbor, but I'm going to ask you today. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, a gale force wind, and no one could tell where it came from. And it filled the whole house, is what the King James says it, where they were sitting. Then a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through the building, through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. The King James says, and, and suddenly, somebody say with me, suddenly, there came a sound. They were waiting, and it didn't happen on day six or seven or eight, but on day 10, suddenly there came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled not one or two, not a few of them. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Why did it fill the whole house? Because what was going to happen in the upper room would be a microcosm 
microcosm of what God the Father had always planned for all of the earth. It would be a microcosm where they all spoke together and lived in communion. He was going to paint a picture because God always does things by blueprint and by pattern. In fact, when he built the tabernacle in the Old Testament, he told Moses, build it according to the pattern, which that word literally means the blueprint that I showed you were you in the mountain. If he's going to have an old covenant by blueprints, he's going to establish a new covenant by blueprints. So what he said was, I'm going to show my church, my body, in fact, the whole earth, because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, somebody with me, the earth and the world and they that dwell therein. If I'm going to establish the old covenant by blueprint, I'm going to establish the new covenant by blueprint. And this is what it looks like. When the fullness of the promise comes, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I'm not even preaching. I'm trying to lay a foundation. And there were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then. They were devout pilgrims from all over the world. And when they heard the sound, somebody say when they heard the sound, they came on the run. And when they heard one after another their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They could not for the life of them figure out what was going on. And they kept saying, aren't these Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our own various mother tongues, Parthians and Medes? and Elamites, visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, and all these other places, immigrants from Rome, they're speaking our language and they're describing God's mighty works. I told you last week, some of you come into a church and that's where you speak, that's the language you speak and that's okay, we call it Christianese. Some of you go out there, there was a man here last week, he's not here this morning, my friend G, and he's a part of a motorcycle club and he knows how to speak the language of motorcycle club. Some of you guys are business professionals and you know how to speak the language of business professionals. Some of you are school teachers and you know how to speak the language of school teachers. What has to happen is the glorious gospel of the kingdom of, of God has got to be preached in every tongue. Not just different ethnic languages, but every tongue. The way that they hear, the way that they speak it is the way they'll hear it. And they're going to hear it as people filled with the Spirit take it to them. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of it. They talked back and forth and they were confused. What is going on here? Others joked and said, they're, junk on, they're drunk on cheap wine. Peter stands up and says, "That's oh, by the way, this is Peter that just not that many days ago said, I don't even know who he is. I love that when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose from the dead, he said, go to Mary, go tell my disciples and Peter. <laughs> he, he, he included him back in the family again. Go tell my disciples and Peter that I'm risen like I said I was. Go meet me in Jerusalem. I'll be there just shortly. And he stood up and back by the other 11, he spoke out with bold urgency. Fellow Jews, all of you who are in Jerusalem, listen carefully and get the story straight. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. They haven't even had time to get drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Now, even 2,000 years ago, it would be crazy to be drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel had announced would happen, that in the last days, God says, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, on every kind of people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will uh, dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And when the time comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they will prophesy. If you have a problem with women preachers, it's because you're ignorant and don't know your Bible. Because Joel said, and Peter declared in the New Covenant, they'll both prophesy. They'll, they'll prophesy. Men and women will prophesy. 
Anyways, all Israel then know this. There's no longer room for doubt. God made him master and Messiah, this Jesus whom you killed on the cross. Cut to the quick. Moving down to 37 because if we get back into but God, I won't get past it. I preached last week, but God. Cut to the quick. Those who were listening asked Peter and the other apostles, brothers, brothers, so what do we do now? And the King James says, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said, repent, change your life, turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ so your sins are forgiven. And then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is targeted to you and your children, but also to all who are far away, thank God he included us, whomever in fact the Master God invites. He went on in this vein for some time, urging them over and over, get out while you can. Get out of this sick and stupid culture. As anybody else can look around and say, I'm done with this sick and stupid culture. Three of you, that's wonderful. That day about 3,000 took him at his word and were baptized and were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Listen, the teaching of the apostles, of living life together, the common meal and prayers. Remember what I told you. The early church was to be a microcosm of the hope of the Father. And what did the early church include? I can tell you what it wasn't. It wasn't meeting once a week. And that's okay, and you should do that. It was relationship. It was communion. Community. And it's not, it's not all, it's, I'm not talking about an unhealthy codependency. That's not what I mean. A, a lot, a, there are a lot of people that have an unhealthy codependency on someone else. There's, there's, it's okay to be dependent on other people and hope for them. There's a whole lot of people that won't do anything for themselves, and so they have an unhealthy codependency, and really all that does is just stoke their own laziness. You need to, you need to grow up. But I'm talking about doing life together. I'm talking about when one bleeds, you don't mind the blood getting on you when you sit with them in their bad places. I'm talking about when you, when you have bread at your table and you've got more than enough, then you, you share your bread, whether it's natural or spiritual, and divide your bread to those that have need. In fact, when you'll find when you begin to divide your bread, you'll look back in the basket and there's going to be more than you started with. Everyone was in awe, all those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pulled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, my God, exuberant and joyful as they praised God, every meal joyful. Can you imagine even in 2020, when you sit down at your table, whether it's morning, noon, or night, being full of joy everywhere you sit down, because if you're full of joy, it doesn't matter what's happening around you. The joy of the Lord is your strength, and you're strengthened by it. It's not happiness, it's joy, because happiness is determined by happenings, but joy comes as a gift from the Lord. It's a part of the kingdom. The Bible says, now therefore, the kingdom is righteousness and peace and joy, and Jesus said the kingdom is within you. The kingdom is a gift. A lot of foundation to get where I want to go. People in general liked what they saw. Every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. This, the birthing of the church and events are a prototype of what was to come. Every meal exuberant and joyful. Every time together a celebration and praising God. This was the day the Holy Spirit that had lived only in Jesus was poured out upon the church. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, it is expedient. It's needful. 
it's better for you that I go away. Because if I go not away, the Holy Spirit cannot come. But if I go, then the promise of the Father is going to come. The Bible says that the Father gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon the whole church. And, the, and Jesus literally unzipped himself and the spirit that was contained within him was shed upon all the church. This was the day the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. Paul in Ephesians talks about this outpouring and the subsequent joyful life being the down payment. Holy Spirit, whom, whom we're in love with, who is our teacher, who is our comforter, who is our guide, who, who puts us in remembrance of everything Jesus has said, which is to say he shines a light on the things that Jesus has said. When we read the word, if we read the word alone, Without the light of the Holy Spirit, then we can do a whole lot of damage. In fact, Jesus said, the letter killeth. It's the Spirit that makes alive. There's a whole lot of people, and there's actually even a whole lot of preachers killing a whole lot of people because they read a letter as if it was meant for today. It's not even within context of today. Without the revelation of the Holy Spirit, and they murder people left and right, and they think they're helping them. I know that it's true. I'm not trying to take shots. I'm telling you what happens. I've said before, I can literally open the Bible and, 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 and make it illegal for you to eat shellfish. Out of context, of course. Within context, there are probably very few people in here that are Jewish, number one. So the, even the original law was never given to you if you're not Jewish. It was given because the Jewish people had lived for 413 plus years in Egyptian exile and Egyptian slavery, and they had to learn behavioral patterns. But Jesus, or the, 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 the prophet said that in those days I will write my law upon their hearts. How's he going to write it on your heart? By the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, I can take the letter, I can take the letter, and I can make, it, I can make, I can make a case for slavery. Now, how many in here believe that slavery is a wonderful thing? You need, to be, you need demons cast out of you, you do. Or you've never seen it. And I'm not just talking about black people. There are white people in Africa that are enslaved just like white people in America had been enslaved. It's an ugly thing. No man should ever own another man. Ever. I can take this letter, but, by the, but when the Holy Spirit shines his light on, leather, on the letter, then that's what he, Jesus said. The comforter, who's the Holy Spirit, will come, and he will put you in remembrance. He literally says he's going to shine a light on the things that I've told you. In other words, you're going to get an epiphany. Oh, that's what he was, this is what happened to Peter. Peter stands up and says, this is that, that Joel was talking about. Oh, I see it now. This is that. The Holy Spirit brings revelation. Is everybody okay? Paul in Ephesians talks about the outpouring. He says this, Ephesians 1, verses 11, uh, verse 11. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny. Yes, you do have a destiny, and you were called and chosen before you were born. That we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. God's purpose was that we, the Jews, who were first to long for the messianic hope, would be the first to believe in the anointed one and bring the great praise and glory to God. And because of him, when you who are not Jews hear the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. And the Aramaic manuscripts add to that, who were, which was announced by the angels. The Holy Spirit, which was announced by the angels. He is given to us like an engagement ring. The Holy Spirit is a promise. He's given like an engagement ring. When I asked my wife to marry me, 
I can guarantee you when I gave her the engagement ring, she, she, she expected another one to come right shortly. This was saying, I'm declaring to you that at some day, and some of you boys, look, girls, if you've waited three or four years and you still got that ring, give it back. Cash it in and just go on and move on. Because he don't have anything. He's just trying to keep you for himself, but he don't want to make a commitment. Oh, my God. Did I, did I actually talk about somebody that's here? If you are wearing an engagement ring and it's been four or five years, give it back. Or better yet, take it to the pawn shop. See what you can get out of that thing. And buy me some Logan's Rolls this afternoon, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> when I gave that woman her engagement ring, in fact, she got a better one later in life. But when I gave her that engagement ring, it was saying, I promise you, I'm going to marry you. And when I marry you, I'm going to make you mine. When the Holy Spirit was given, he was not given as the wedding covenant. He was given as a promise that there's more to come. Why is it that in the church nobody looks around and says, thank God for new birth. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. What is the more that is to come? And we've had the Holy Spirit and we go one or two or three or four or 40 years and not know that there was a whole lot more to come. That was the promise ring. How many people would like to have the, the band put on the finger where you can sign his name and you can write your name on his checks? There's more than the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying there's something greater. I'm saying that was the promise of more to come. He was the earnest of our inheritance is the way the King James says it. And the Aramaic translation of earnest is he was the down payment. I wish to God you could put a down payment on a house and just go live there and never make another payment. That'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? Bought a quarter of a million dollar house, put 25000 down. I've been living there for 30 years, ain't never made another payment. No, you didn't. Because when you pay that banker that 25 grand, I can promise you he's going to say, and this is when you're going to pay me this. And it's going to come monthly. And it's going to come out of your check every single month or come out of your bank account every month. How, why are we not looking around like, Father, I appreciate the Holy Spirit, but I'm looking for more. I want payment every day. I want to receive more. Every, what does it look like? I'm going to tell you. He's given like an engagement ring. How could a community of believers become filled with his Spirit Performing miracles, signs, and wonders, living in joy and peace, and that be only a down payment of something better. The Bible says they were dating in the temple. They were eating at their tables daily and every meal joyful. They had all things in common, which is to say there was no one richer than the other. There was no one poor. Everyone had every need met. Can you imagine even in a, in a community of about 125 people that's sitting here today, everyone's need being met, no one being greater than or less than, just all of us just because the focus was on him. And that being the down payment. How could that be a down payment for something that's better? How was the outpouring considered only the earnest of the inheritance? Have you ever wondered it? How was the baptism of the Holy Spirit literally, I mean, as wonderful as it is, because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when I put my hand on blind people, I expect them to see. Because of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, when I reach down, whether it's overseas or here, and someone can't walk, when I grab their hand, I fully expect that their ankles and their leg bones and their muscles to receive strength and to get up off of that mat. When Peter walked up, when Peter, Peter was so full of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that his shadow falling upon these men would cause the lame to walk. Why? Bill Johnson said it best, because your shadow will always release whatever overshadows you. You let a depressed person walk into a room, you can feel it. 
You let a person full of the Holy Spirit walk into the room, and you can feel it, and the enemy and the demons can feel it too. And I can promise you, if you're full enough of his spirit, they don't want a thing to do with you. Because I'm full of the Holy Spirit, when I speak and say you're born anew into his kingdom, not just you need to be born, you are born and you need to see your true identity. I I expect for thousands to be born into his kingdom, especially overseas. When I, when I look at you and say, by the, by the breath of God, he's going to make your marriage new or your, or your kids are coming back home or he can break this addiction, I fully expect by the power of the Holy Spirit that to work. And yet, that's the down payment. That's the engagement ring. That's not the, that ain't the teetotal, guys. That's not all there is. And for hundreds of years... Hundreds of years, I would say starting probably around the year 1100 or so, we have focused on first the new birth, which would be more like a promise ring, and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some of us have gotten that, which is the engagement ring, and nobody's looking around saying, I want the wedding band. I want the full covenant. I want everything that you paid for. How do, what, is, what does that look like? Well, let's find out. Y'all ready to go yet? Revelation 21. Revelation 21. I knew what you meant. Revelation 21. And I saw heaven and earth new created. Gone the first heaven, gone the first earth, gone the sea. I saw holy Jerusalem new created, descending resplendent out of heaven, as ready for God as a bride for her husband. And I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. Of course he's going to make his home with men and women. In fact, he wanted that so much that when his son came, he named his son Emmanuel. What does that mean? They're his people. He's their God. And he'll wipe every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears are gone for good. Crying is gone for good. Pain is gone for good. All the first order of things gone. And the enthroned one continued. Look, I'm not just giving you an engagement ring, but I am making all things new. Write it down, each word, dependable and accurate. All things new. Somebody say, all things new. I didn't just come to give you engagement. I didn't just come to give you a a promise ring. I came to make all things new. I'm not waiting for you to die to get to a city. The city's coming down from God out of heaven because I'm going to make all things new. That was the plan of the Father, purchased by the blood of the Son, administered by the precious Holy Spirit, and experienced by every man, woman, boy, and girl that's walked the earth. That was the plan of the Father, purchased by the blood of the Son, administered by the precious Holy Spirit, and uh, and we have the ability to experience all of it. Father never intended your birth in the kingdom to be the ultimate experience. In fact, he never intended the baptism in the Holy Spirit to be your ultimate experience. That's why the baptism in the Holy Spirit is called the down payment. But what was to come? Jesus said it and John saw it. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. 
This is the fullness. This is the marriage. This is the covenant. Thy kingdom come. Not we go to be a part of the kingdom. The kingdom comes to where we are. That means in my broken state, in my feeble state, the kingdom comes. That promise ring, that engagement ring on my finger means when I'm broken and I don't know how I'm going to make it till tomorrow, I can stand up because of the ring on my finger and say to my husband, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Is it his will for you to be sick? Say no. Is it his will for you to be broken? Say no. Is it his will for you to be in poverty? Say no. Is it his will for you to be sick? Say no. Is it his will for you to be in need? So you say, thy kingdom come, your will be done. Where? In earth, just like it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, Jesus paid for it. Peter proclaimed it. Paul explained it. The church received the down payment, and our generation is about to walk into the fullness of the inheritance. Now. Our generation is going to walk into the fullness. Listen to me. If you've ever believed a prophetic word in your life, our generation will be the generation to walk into the fullness of the inheritance. We will look like the microcosm church that was the Acts 2 church, where we have all things in common, where there's no big ones and no little ones. We're just all one, and all of our needs are met, and every time we sit at the table together, we're full of joy and full of hope and full of glory and full of wonder. Is anybody else listening but me? A generation where the whole earth is filled with his glory. He's making all things new. Say with me, all things new. New is the word kinos. It's of uncertain affinity. It means new or fresh or to regenerate. God will even take your human body and regenerate it. Regenerate, the entomology of the word regenerate is re, which means do again. Gene, which is what you're made of. He's going to, and orate is what he does. He's going to regenerate you. So even the very cells of your body are rejuvenated because they're filled with the very glory of the same spirit that caused the cold dead body of the dead Christ to get up out of the grave. This generation was going to see all things new where the whole earth is filled with his glory. All things new. Behold, I make all things new, not new things. If he made new things, then he takes broken things and he discards them to make something new. But instead, he doesn't make all new things. He takes the broken things and fixes the broken parts. He pours in his glory and he pours in the wine and he pours in the oil of his spirit and says, Behold, I'm the one that you're not making it new. I'm the one that makes all things new. Behold, I make all things new. You thought you had seen your best days, but he's making all things new. You thought your past was your past was behind you, but the Lord says he's making all things new. You thought your marriage was over, but he's making all things new. You thought your relationship with your sons and daughters was beyond repair, but he's making all things new. The enemy told you you're a failure, but he's making all things new. You thought you had lost your purpose, but he's making all things new. You thought you would lose your mind, but he's making all things new. You lost your dreams. But, my God. 
The enemy said you are past your prime, but he's making all things new. He said you'll never walk into your, into your purpose, but he's making all things new. He said you'll never see the fullness of your destiny, but he's making all things new. He said you'll never stand hand in hand together again, but he's making all things new. He thought he would break you, but he's made all things new. Anybody else want to experience? They told you you would never amount to anything, but he's making all things new. They said you'd never walk again, but he's making all things new. They said you wouldn't fulfill your purpose, but he's making all things new. Anybody besides me believe that I'm tired of wearing an engagement ring when I've been promised a marriage? I want the fullness of my inheritance. I want the fullness of the covenant. I'm sorry, I know that I'm out of character today, but when I think about God and I think about Jesus Christ being a husbandman and having all things given to him and saying, I'm going to marry you and you can sign my checks. Well, you just go, would you turn that thing up and make it bluesy? I need to hear some, somebody get on your feet and bless God that he's making all things new. Somebody get on your feet and thank God that he's making all things new. The devil said you wouldn't make it, but he's making all things new. The devil said I'll kill you, but he's making all things new. The devil says I'll take your anointing, but he's making all things new. The devil said I'll take your house. Turn this microphone up. I don't have much voice left. He said, I'm going to take your house. But Jesus said, no, no. I'm making all things new. He said, but Lord, all I have is a broken heart. Don't sweat it, baby. I'm making all things new. <laughs> My family's broken, Lord Jesus. Jesus said, don't sweat it. I put a ring on your finger because I liked it. I liked it. I put a ring on it, and I'm making all things new. Is there anybody in this church that'll say, he's making all things new? Somebody get excited that he's, he's promised me. I've got this ring on my finger, and it's time for the marriage. In God's economy, the engagement is equal to the marriage because it's his word that's at stake. They said you were too young, and you didn't matter for a hill of beans, but he's making all things new. They told me my kidneys would never function properly again. And Jesus said, don't sweat that either because I make all things new. <laughs> They said, you're never going to find that husband that I promised you. And the Lord said, don't you sweat that because I'm making him new too. They said, you're never going to find the wife that I and, and the Lord says, don't sweat that either, baby, because I'm making all things new. Lord, my joints hurt when I wake up in the morning. Don't worry about it. I'll make all things new. Lord, I wake up and my heart's so heavy. I feel like I can't breathe. I feel like something's weighing on me. The brokenness is overtaking me. And the Lord says, don't sweat it, baby. I make all things new. I make all things new. Not all new things. All things new. That's the glory of God, to take a broken thing and pour in his oil and cause something that was broken to be restored and more valuable after it's restored than it was before it was ever broken. God don't fix up an old car the cheap way. He puts the best materials in. So that when it gets done, you look at that thing and say, my God, I think it's better than it ever was. The Lord wants somebody to look in the mirror at your life and say, my God, I didn't know it could happen. The devil said it would never happen. But my life looks better than it ever looked before. 
write these things down. John, who wrote them down? John. John would be the one in the upper room table just a few days before Jesus would be crucified that would take his head and lay it on Jesus' chest. And the reason that he was the one that God spoke, I'll make all things new to, was because John already knew what it was like to put his head on the chest of God and hear the very heartbeat of the Father. And the heartbeat of the Father has always been, hey, John, you remember that? You remember in the, I can see Jesus, why can't you just see him? John says, and I heard a voice. And having hear, heard the voice, I t- this is in Revelation, and we just didn't read this part. I heard a voice. And when I heard a voice, I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. And since I turned to see the voice, I saw. I heard a voice, and I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. And being turned, sometimes you've got to change your position, and you've got to change your focus to see what God's trying to say to you. It ain't enough to hear the voice. You've got to turn and look at the voice that's talking to you. And when he turned to him, he said, John, do you remember that day in the upper room when you put your head on my heartbeat? You you knew that it was thumping, but you couldn't quite make out what it was saying. Here's what I was saying. Look at what's about to happen in my crucifixion and resurrection and my pouring out of my spirit upon all flesh. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to make all things new. And John said, but what about, what about the Gentiles? And Jesus said, I'll make all things new. What about the broken Jewish people that crucified you? And Jesus said, I'll make all things new. What, go back in time, all the way back to what about broken poor Adam and Eve? And the Lord said, don't sweat him either. He was on the cross beside me, and I told him I would remember him when I went into paradise. i make all things new. So what is it? What is it that's too hard for God? In fact, when God told Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a baby, Sarah laughed. And the angel that came with, that came with the Christophany, which is a, an Old Testament a, a appearing of Christ, called a Christophany, and two angels came with him in the plains of Mamre to come and talk to Abraham, and he promised Abraham, you're going to have a son. Your wife Sarah's going to have a son. And Sarah laughed. She probably laughed because she thought, man, that 90-year-old geezer ain't going to do me a bit of good. If Abraham had been honest, he'd have laughed too. He probably would have laughed or cried one thinking, 90 years old, that woman's going to have a baby. Or at that time, she was 65 because he was going to wait for a long time to have a, or I'm sorry, uh, 89. He's going to wait a year. He said, this time, next year I'll return to you, you'll have a son. She laughed. Do you remember that? And the Lord said this, why did you laugh? She said, I didn't laugh. Oh, you did laugh. And he said this, he said, I'm going to return to you your time of life. Because is there anything too hard for God? No, no, no. This was God speaking. Is there, he wasn't looking for an answer. He was looking for a testimony. Is there anything too hard for God? We sit in our time-space continuum, which is where we're all relegated to right now. And that's okay. That's where God put us. And we experience the world that we live in with our five senses. Sight, smell, taste, hearing, and touch. And it's very hard for us to discern spiritual things 
because we have been taught, which is okay, since the time we were born to experience everything with our five senses. And yet the things of the kingdom are not experienced with our five senses. Their only experience, spiritual things, are discerned by the Spirit. And so when we look with our, when we look at our impossible circumstances, whatever they might be, there's no way we can see an end to a lot of them because we're trying to fix things that are spiritual by natural means, and it can't happen. Thank you. That's my granddaughter right there. My grandbaby gave me a, a tissue. You stay right here, little girl. We try to discern spiritual things by natural means. And so we say things like, God, I'm broken, and I can't feel you. And you know what the Lord would whisper back? Don't sweat it. I make all things new. Lord, I don't see how you're going to do this. And the Lord says, you're not going to see it with the natural eyes, but don't sweat it, because I make all things new. Lord, I'm listening. I need to hear you. Have you ever been in a broken place and you just need to hear one word from God and your friends love you and they want to be good for you? You turn on the preaching on TV and you put on the praise and worship in your car and you call up people that you think and you're like, God, I just need to hear a word. I can't hear it. The Lord says, don't sweat it because I'm making all things new. Lord, I can't feel you. I want to touch you. I can't feel you. The Lord said, don't sweat it. I'll make all things new. Is there anything too hard for God? When I say that, what is the first thing that is a part of your life that you think about? For some of you, it's brokenness. For some of you, it might be an addiction. For some of you, I might be you not being able to get over that hump with your business. I don't know what it is. In fact, I don't have the time to ask all 130 people what it is. But you know, when I say, what's the impossible thing? You know what comes to your mind. It may not even have to do with you. It may have to do with family members. Or it may have to do with some of your friends. And I ask you, is there anything too hard for God? You've been born into his kingdom. You have an engagement ring on your finger. But he, he didn't want to stop there. He wants to give you the fullness of your inheritance. And what's the fullness of your inheritance? The, all things new. The regeneration. Regeneration of everything that you are. So over these next few minutes, I'm going to ask you. I don't do this often. You know that I don't do it often, but I believe that too often we receive the word and we don't have enough time for ministry, and that's got to change in the church. Because Jesus taught the people, the Bible says, but he also went to the people, and the Bible says he touched the people. What enough to, what enough to teach had to touch. Now some of you came in here facing what you think is an insurmountable circumstance. Some of it I know about, and some of it I don't know about. In fact, there's some of it I don't want to know about. Here's what my job is. This is probably what I'm best at, I would say, second to being Elizabeth's husband and my children's father, is I'm a coach. Love to coach. I especially love to coach little kids, because you can, you can basically just tell them what to do, and if they don't, you make them run. You try to a bunch of men or women, they probably quit on you. But no, no. I'm not here today to give you something. <clears throat> the greatest thing I can do in the co as a coach is to get my players to believe in themselves and to believe in what I've said. I've spent an hour, not even an hour, I've spent 53 minutes trying to convince you that what is inside of you is bigger than anything that's going on on the outside of you. 
How is Jesus able to go into the bow of a boat and sleep in a storm that scared professional fishermen? That's the crazy thing you ever thought about that? When Peter and them are on, oh, when Peter and them are on the, uh, thank you. When Peter and them are on the water and they were terrified of the storm, that must have been some dang storm because they, they've, they've been on the boat all their whole lives. And Jesus sleeps in it. Why? Because he refused to allow the storm that was around them to influence the peace that is within them. And you've got to learn to come to a place in God where the storm around you cannot overtake the peace that you have within. And how do you have peace? Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Here's three things he gives you. He gives you a spirit. He gives you peace as a gift. He gives you rest as a gift. What do you mean rest as a gift? I do not mean the opportunity to rest. I don't mean silence. I mean literally gives you rest. That means you might have slept an hour and a half, but you get up so full of his spirit that you feel like you can run through a wall. And joy. He gives you joy. It's his, it's his to give. There's a whole lot of people I'm talking to right now that could use some peace. If that's you, I want you to make your way down here. I'm not going to embarrass you. That ain't my thing, but I want you to make your way. There's some of you that need rest. Some of you have been struggling in your mind, and you lay your head on the pillow at night, but you rarely get to sleep without waking up, hyperventilating, or going crazy about something. I want you up here. Some of you just simply need to have some joy. You're probably exhausted from trying to, trying to work through some stuff, and that's a good thing. But God wants to give you rest. He wants to give you peace and rest, and He wants to give you joy. Some of you would just like to be able to smile, and it be legitimate when you do it, and not putting on a smile because of something that, hey, you need some peace. You need some peace. The reason I said, because I saw the word peace written above your head. So it's not mine to give, and, except that He gave it to me. So he, just told, he told His disciples when they said this. You go to someone's house, if they receive you, when you leave, leave your peace there with them. Now, here I am sitting preaching. You receive the word that came from the Holy Spirit, not from me. I'm just a messenger. Probably not a very good one, but his word's good. So here, it's a gift. I give you peace. By the Spirit of God. It, it's a part of your inheritance. Do you understand that? It's, it, was, it was his to give. It's a part of your inheritance. You have a right to it. Do you understand, do you understand by inheritance? Paul goes into great detail about this. I'm sorry for the time, but I need to say this. Paul goes into great detail about this. He says, he says, a will is no good unless the person that makes the will dies. We know that. That's normal. It, when my mother becomes a millionaire this year, a multimillionaire, and when she passes away in 57 years, even better, 56. Mom, I ain't trying to wait that long. I get those millions if she hadn't already spent them, which she probably would. If she hadn't already spent them, I get those millions after she dies. I don't get them before. Now, some of us might be tempted to try to spur her along to get on to the end so we can get our money. No, I don't want to spend it with her. I want her to go because I want it. I'm just kidding. And Paul says this, the will is no good unless the person who wrote it dies because then the beneficiaries get the benefits he said that's why the and the way the King James says it is unless the death of the testator comes and that's why Jesus died to make the will of God legal and he's like man it looks like they're having a whole bunch of fun I'm gonna come back from the dead and enjoy father's will with them and that's why we're called joint heirs with Jesus and heirs of God you have a right to joy and you have a right to peace you the Bible says you've not been given you've not you've not been given a spirit of fear 
but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. A lot of you need a sound mind. A lot of you. There's 17 people up here need to be a whole lot more. That's okay. I'm not judging. You know, you might be just perfectly fine in your seat. That's good. Good for you. Some of you need peace. Some of you need rest. Some of you need joy. The Lord's going to give it all to you. You're going on a trip this week, and when you go, the Holy Spirit goes with you. And you're going to take peace and rest. And when you open your mouth to your friend, the things that need to be said, the Holy Spirit will say through you. You don't even need to worry about it. You're just ava- God doesn't care about your ability. He cares about your availability. He could care less about your ability. In fact, he's not impressed with your ability. What do you think? God says, man, man God, I didn't know, me, I didn't know they could sing like, no, he knows. He's not impressed with your ability, but your availability. Peace and rest in Jesus' name. Peace and rest. Peace and rest. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy. You never get joy until you get the marriage of righteousness and peace. Righteousness and peace equals joy. Father, you see your people, and you know what your promise is. You know what their inheritance is. And I pray in this moment right now, in this moment right now, that your people no longer be satisfied with the engagement ring. That they refuse to stop at being engaged, Lord, but they require intimacy. They want the fullness of what you've promised. I declare righteousness and peace and joy. I declare peace and joy and rest upon your body. I declare that you make all things new. I declare that you make all things new. I saw holy Jerusalem created new, descending out of out of heaven as ready for God as a bride for a husband. I heard a voice thunder from the place of authority and I said look look God has moved into the neighborhood making his home with men and women they are his people and he's their God and he'll wipe every tear from their eye death is gone for good tears gone crying gone pain gone all the first order of things gone enthroned one continued look I'm making everything new write it down each word dependable and accurate Lord, our Father, we thank you by the blood of your Son and the administration of your Holy Spirit (coughs) that you have chosen to marry us, that you have chosen to be a husband to your church, which is to say to provide for your church's needs, to provide for your people's needs. And Lord, there are so many here that need peace. I thank you provision is theirs. There's so many that need rest. And I thank you that the provision that was yours is now theirs. I pray that as they go this week, Lord, those that have not rested would have sweet, peaceful rest. Whether it's an hour or 15 hours or whatever, Lord, if they can only sleep for three hours, that it would be the most restful three hours they've ever had. Give them supernatural peace, supernatural rest, and supernatural joy. I declare it to be so in Jesus' name. Thank you for 2020 being a year, Father, of of all things being made new, of perfect vision and focus in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Somebody bless Jesus in this place this morning. My God, he's good. All things new. All things new.